Hello again. Hi, welcome to the studio, everyone. We've got a bit of a different vibe going on today. I think it's a bit of a a new a new vibe. V, what V, what's your vibe? My vibe is somewhere in between just flat out bad and atrocious. Okay. So I'm somewhere in between there. Nice. And I just took an Adderall. <laughs> so that's what we're working with. Today. So the vibes are wildly different today. And there's a third reason why the vibes are wildly different today. Yes. We did this episode already. <laughs> we, okay. We recorded we, 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 this episode. We recorded three hours of us talking about this episode. Truly three hours, not a joke. And it just got The internet in. ate it. The yes. internet ate it. And so now we're back again, trotting on the grave of ourselves. Back, back, back. Back again, again, again. Wheels up is back, back, back. Tell a friend, please. Please tell a friend about our podcast. But so this is like a weird vibe that we've got going on. This is very much like it's Schrodinger's vibe. The vibe is both great and also awful, but you're not going to know until you open the box. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few things. Do we want to bring up the wormhole of doubt? before the theme song or after the theme song the wormhole of doubt here's the thing is the wormhole of doubt has already integrated itself so firmly into my belief system that Truly. i've forgotten what the point of the wormhole of doubt is okay <laughs> is the wormhole of doubt can i do my approximation of it yeah and then i'll tell you the truth is that the wormhole of during the episode doubt season three episode one we go into like a sort of split timeline the timeline no longer exists. It does not make sense. We go firm. We firmly diverge from our real life timeline mm -hmm. in doubt because yeah. from then on the president is not Bush or Obama or anybody, you know, like mm -hmm. then all the, pre mm -hmm. the presidents are diverge. Yeah. And then it comes back around in the reboot. We like yeah. firmly crash back into real person territory. Right. Am I correct in my approximation of the wormhole of doubt? Yes. So in season one, you and I joked that, you know, Criminal Minds is in a very close timeline to our own. It's kind of like the West Wing. Yes. And, but we, we joked about it, but we didn't have any uh, proof to the theory until we learned about Doubt was supposed the episode Doubt was supposed to happen before No Way Out 2, but they had to move it. And this episode in Name and Blood was rewritten. So we have lost the original episode that was supposed to be the season opener. And mm -hmm. everything got higgledy piggledy, wibbly wobbly. Tiny and yes. exactly. And we entered Mandy Patinkin's sudden departure created a wormhole in the time of Criminal Minds. And In Name and Blood is the first episode on the other side of it. We have No Way Out 2, The Wormhole uh -huh. of Doubt, <laughs> and then In Name and Blood begins our new timeline. And the reboot 
see, at the end of season 15, they sealed the wormhole. They fixed it. They fixed it. They closed it. They locked off Criminal Minds' timeline. They locked off Reed, and that's what solved the wormhole. (laughs) They left him on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. And then they made a reboot. But instead of reopening the wormhole and pulling that skinny little bitch through, (laughs) Criminal Minds has begun in our timeline, and that's why there's COVID. That's the wormhole of doubt. Parallel line. Boop. All of seasons three through 15 and then boop, our time to reboot. It's literally just because they have all those pictures of fucking Joan Kamal on the walls. That's literally the only reason that they came back to our timeline is so they could have a picture of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on their walls. That's it. They literally were like, yeah, we're not acknowledging the Biden. We're not acknowledging the Trump presidency. And when it finished, we'll come back. Yeah. Honestly, I think. Criminal Minds ending and the wormhole closing let off so much extra energy. That's why COVID happened two weeks after Criminal Minds ended. (laughs) March 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Literally it ended and like two weeks later it was COVID. Criminal Minds did that. (laughs) Criminal Minds (laughs) is the harbinger of doom, basically. It's the... It's the, the whatever horseman pestilence is, like that's what Criminal Minds, yeah. Criminal Minds is. Criminal Minds is the plague horseman. Is pestilence. Also, we had a joke about the reason Emily Prentice is straight is because her gayness was sacrificed to open the wormhole, the wormhole. of doubt. Season two, she was a lesbian. She was After that, firmly a lesbian. It was After bad. this, unfortunately, sacrifices had to be made, budgets had to be cut, yeah. you know. We all have to make our sacrifices. Maybe now that Criminal Minds is back in our timeline, maybe she's gay in the new season. We'll see. Should we just theme yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we roll, roll the theme, theme song? song? Roll the theme song. <laughs> yeah, just do it. I like how we're talking like we are talking to like a producer or something. Firmly hey, Ross. just James. <laughs> hey, Ross, could you hit the button? Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Here, can you fade it up now? Thank you. Can you fade it back down? Thank you. <laughs> and we're back. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast, Reels Up. I'm James. And I'm B. And this is season three, episode two, In Name and Blood. What an episode. Truly what an episode of Criminal Minds. This episode is good. I mean, I love this episode. It's also weird. It's a weird... Can we talk about it? It's just weird. Yeah. It's just fucking weird, dude. You know what I just remembered? When we watched the bonus features of season one, Edward Bonero was like our buddy, friend of the podcast, Edward Bonero. He said- Friend of the show, Edward Bonero. Friend of the show, Eddie B. We can call him that. We're friends now. Eddie B. (laughs) Eddie B. Nero. That's funny. Okay. Anyway, he said that, you know, season one, intro to the show. Season two- we learn a little more about the characters. And then season three is when they get to really get going. Mm-hmm. But all of that was kind of 
scrubbed when Mandy Patinkin left. So it makes sense. I feel like I was going to say, you know, this episode feels like the beginning of a new show. This is when Criminal Minds truly gets good, right? But it, it feels like they have, it feels like a new show, but they're using everything they've built up about these characters. You know, like if we had already known the characters in season one. You know? It it feels like not not it doesn't feel totally new to me. It feels mm-hmm. like a reintroduction. Mm-hmm. It feels like you know you're at a partner's office party or something, and you've been introduced to these people before. But everybody reintroduces themselves because they don't remember you, and that's fine mm-hmm. because you didn't remember their names anyway. Like this is what that <laughs> feels like. You know, this is the yeah. reintroduction to how these characters work, and yeah. so it's a little like stilted i like this episode Mm -hmm. but it is like a little stilted i think it's a little stilted too because you know we've speculated about the emily storyline in this which was definitely thrown in kind of last minute Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it feels it feels a little rushed you know like they needed to like tie up any loose ends so that they could start the season you know so it's a little like but I mean, like the team, I feel like we're off kilter watching it and the team feels off kilter, you know? Yeah. So like, I guess it worked. Good job. It, yeah, it worked. It's great. <laughs> you made us feel what the team feels. Congrats. Yeah. Good job. Good work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it starts with the previously on. No way out to. And then a flashback of doubt. Hotch getting told to watch his back. And then Gideon's letter and the gun. This is also our first episode that isn't a flashback in a while because no way out. I feel like we've been working on flash. We've been working on borrowed time for a while. Yeah. So like no way out, no way out Two is a framed episode. Hotch is telling the story of what happened. And then doubt is like a framed episode within a framed episode. Gideon is telling the story of what the case, but at the same time, Hotch is, it's like the the end of the hottest scene from the last episode where he finally gets fired. So another reason this episode feels a little off kilter too is this is the first time we've been in the present since Legacy. God, what a way to jump back into the present too. What a way to jump out of the present and what a way to crash back into truly, it. Huh? Truly. Two real fucked up cases. <laughs> yep, truly. Okay. So, oh, the opening, I do like the opening to this episode. It starts off all, like, sexy. There's, like, the red music. You think they're, like, horizontal. The guy's feeling the woman up, and, like, her mouth is all open. And you're like, ooh, this is cool, sex scene. And for me, I was, like, waiting for the unsub to burst in. And then it, like, turns vertical, and you're like, oh, this is not a sexy scene. This is terrifying. I love this scene, but do you know what it reminds me of? And I feel sorry to say it. Why? You know that one flashback they show all the time in Person of Interest of John and his and his girl, oh. and it's all filmed very like soft. It's like yeah. basically a softcore porn in Truly. Person of Interest. This scene reminds me of that because they, for some reason, made that scene very red as well, and I don't mm-hmm. know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. Red's like, a sexy color, don't you know that? Yeah, but like, sure. <laughs> but like, 
when you see the full context of the person of interest scene, like yeah. immediately after they fuck, he hears about the 9-11. 9-11. <laughs> like, oh, like what is the red? Is the red the fire of the towers? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> it's like red is sexy. Red is also danger and blood, you know? And I think that's what they're doing here. I do like this opening, though, how it goes from, like, sexy, he's unbuttoning, it's all, like, steamy, and then it's like, oh, no, her mouth is open because she's screaming. He's caressing her because he's going to literally cut her heart out. Red, also a great color for a children's hospital. Um... <laughs> it's color theory. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little niche one for the gang. <laughs> That's one for the Tumblrinas. <laughs> My besties, the Tumblrinas. Follow us on Tumblr, so Wheels Up Pod. <laughs> I hate Tumblrinas so much. <laughs> and yet, we are one. Yeah. We are pod. one. We together we are, make combined, one Combined, we make one Tumblrina. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then we fade to JJ being all spooky in the shadows. She's all like, read read and then like steps out of the darkness and it's like read wake the fuck up why are you sleeping in Gideon's office and apparently okay so let's set the time of this episode mm-hmm. it has been two weeks since Hotch was suspended okay so it's kind of like it's in theory the end of April but it's hard to say because of all the fucking flashbacks in the section. So it's been two weeks. Hotch is supposed to be coming back to work after his suspension, and Gideon's supposed to be coming out, coming back, because he has apparently taken two weeks off. So he and Reed, though, in theory, have been talking throughout this time because Gideon and Reed have plans to play chess in his office. And we learn that Gideon hasn't gone back to his apartment since Sarah and Frank. Uh, since Frank killed Sarah, he can't go back to his apartment. So I think it's implied he's been staying in his office. This is a little unclear. This but, is wildly unclear. Yeah. It's so, yeah, very much so. So then Reed and Gideon were going to play chess. Reed ended up waiting up all night. Gideon never showed up. He called Gideon. No answer. Gideon's pictures are still there, which is why I point, I will point it out next episode that they specifically mention his photos are gone. So at some point between this episode and next episode, he sneaks in. Gideon hears they're out on a case, sneaks back, get those gets those photos, puts his resignation on Strauss's desk, and then gets the fuck out of there. Just like dips, yeah. So Hotch is also gone. Okay, this is so weird. Hotch is supposed to be there in 30 minutes, and JJ's like, we have to start the briefing. We'll brief them on the plane. Which is fine, but like, you like thirty minutes. You still have also, to wait for like, him to show up to take off. Also, like, why are all of you there so much earlier than Hotch is? Right, and and it's weird because, right, like it's his first day back from his suspension. That means he should be showing up like normal, especially because he has a meeting with Strauss. So it's like you should have showed up early for your meeting with Strauss, which I assume would have happened either way, and then start your work day. Why are you coming to work late and then having a meeting? Like, It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Can I say one thing before mm. we move on to the next yeah, scene? Yeah, please. 
JJ in these shadows, she's such a dramatic little bitch. <laughs> she is such a dramatic little bitch. If, she does this if this all the woman time. can be in shadows, she will be. Oh, yeah. She, she does is this making all the time. herself into a noir starlet as we speak. Oh, yeah. And it, it and literally gets more and more noir. Exactly. Starlet. It's so dramatic. Like, okay. Yeah. Eventually, she does add the like sexy trench coat. But for and right now. And the like light only on her legs thing yes. you know what scene i'm talking about i do i literally like, do god that's this dramatic bitch what's up with her mm-hmm. okay so then they're like where's hotch doesn't matter we're gonna start anyway okay hotch is having breakfast with jack and Haley, and he's like super tense because it's like he can either go back and be like yes i would like to work again or he can ask to be switched to like a blue collar division nope a white collar division and have office hours and be with his family. And Haley's like, then you know what to do. Hodge. And like that, his being suspended showed them that they can have a normal life and it would be great. But like, he's very clearly married to his job instead of his wife. Yes. Then we go back to the BAU. We see the whiteboard and it says, this fucking whiteboard. Every time we go into this room, you are like, I have to see what is on this whiteboard. I just, I feel like they should be using it for fun little Easter eggs. And they don't. And it makes me sad. (laughs) It makes me very sad. Anyway, it's like the BIU members have to sign up to teach. And somebody wrote, it's better to volunteer with three exclamation points. And I was like, that's JJ. He's like, don't make me do paperwork. You will volunteer, please. It's better to volunteer than be voluntold. Come on. We all know this. (laughs) I hate that phrase so much. Voluntold. I know. But I come from a Midwestern family, so I get voluntold to do things quite often. That's fair. So then they're in the briefing room. Okay, there's a paper on the like cork board that just says hate with a phone number. And I love it. Do you have shit to say? Call me. <laughs> do you want to fucking square up? I bet you do. <laughs> I'll fight you in the Denny's parking lot. Like... Okay. So then Derek is like, oh, are Hotch and Gideon here? No, they're going to be late. And Derek's like, how dare they be late? And Reed's like, you're always late. And Derek's just like, okay. If he could, there would be a middle finger. <laughs> so then Derek is like, hey, you know, where's where's Prentice? And Derek's just like, I don't know. I've been calling her, but her voice, like, it keeps going on voicemail. I don't know where she is. And it's like, well, okay. Sorry, Wait. your girlfriend's ghosting you, bestie. Surely. So then JJ's like, whatever, the three of them can be briefed on the plane. But again, half your fucking team is missing. <laughs> like, and it's guys. all and it's the older people. Like this episode is truly like the kids solve a case. <laughs> but like, really? You're missing your two, like your unit chief and your like older guy and you're missing prentice so it's just like yeah the three of us two profilers and me the communications <laughs> liaison like you know we'll do we'll like figure it out <laughs> balanced t- right <laughs> we have a tank we have a dps and we have a healer <laughs> what more do you need what more do you need yeah god <laughs> oh jj's like controller for the scream truly looks like a psp it's like it's- a nintendo switch it does it does. And like, and like for what? Like for what though? And truly for what? 
they love to give her new controllers one week and then like completely ignore them the next. No, her controller is out of control. It means nothing. Her controller is out of control. That's funny. It's terrible. And she doesn't even look at the screen that's on it. She just like points it at. She like doesn't know what it does. AJ Cook does not know what this device does. So they she truly just like just handed her a prop and said, <laughs> "Go for it." Here's the case. Milwaukee. There have been four murders in three weeks, and one woman has been missing for two days. All of the women are in their 30s. They're all made with children, but they have no connection. And this is all, they've all been taken from Wawatosa and dumped in the third ward. All of them have hearts cut from their bodies. Yikes. Yikes. Also, we see the unsub with his carpentry tools, and it's like the chisel, like those white chisels you like hammer to like make dents and shit. And yikes, he does that right to their breastbone, just goes crack. Yeah, they talk about it later, but I feel like they don't give it the kind of like airtime that it deserves. That this man just sort of like chisels into their bodies through a pretty hard bone. Yeah, like your sternum is hard to crack. For- on purpose from that's, god that's the point of the sternum yeah i don't like that at all and we see them reacting to this terrible terrible picture but we don't see anything which again just reminds me of the difference between the reboot and now like in the reboot we fucking see the dude's spine he like cuts the skin opens the fucking spine in mm-hmm. this it's like they cut his heart out you get to see everyone look nauseous and there are yeah. no pictures, you know. <laughs> then it's the opening. We did. That was the most uninspired. Listen, we said their vibes were weird. The vibes okay. are somewhere between Adderall and atrocious. So just like throw a dart, you'll hit it. <laughs> somewhere between Adderall and atrocious. Um, oh, and don't worry. I am prescribed Adderall for the ADHD <laughs> that I do have. <laughs> just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> I love that. It, <laughs> what is somebody going to do, though? Snitch I don't on want you? People, to I don't want people judging me for taking unprescribed That's Adderall. Right. It's prescribed. I don't know if you can tell via podcast, but the ADHD <laughs> I do have is very fun. <laughs> Hot is in the BAU elevator. He comes out. He runs into Derek, who's okay. He, Derek is coming from like around the corner in a direction we have never seen anybody come from. And I I think we've determined it's like a locker room. Yeah, I think. Because it's so in I have a blueprint of the sixth floor and we do. We do. And so JJ's office is immediately to the right. If you walk out of the elevator to the left are bathrooms, and then down the hall is Penelope. Right in front is the bullpen, and then there's a hallway to the right that kind of curves around. And the first door there is JJ's. And then there's another room at the end of that hallway that's kind of question mark, question mark. But we do see them, like, change clothes. And, you know, Hotch, we've been talking about him riding his bicycle to work. So, like, it makes sense that there's, like, a locker room type. Yeah. Place. Yeah. That must be it. It's gotta be some sort of like locker room. Because Derek's coming out like holding a uh like bag, isn't he? He has like a suit 
bag, garment bag over his shoulder. I think that, yeah, it must be somewhere to store clothes. They probably keep like their go bags and extra change of clothes when they have to stay late. Like, although we do know they just use empty offices as like free for all rooms. So maybe it's just like an empty office they've converted into like a walk in closet. (laughs) 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 They've got like four pairs of JJ shoes in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, JJ just has a handful of like, outfits a bunch of shoes <laughs> or like eight cardigans so true yeah and then Derek just has a bunch of suits read it's all ties scarf options Derek wearing suits is still like so weird here's the thing it's really weird in season one and then eventually he starts wearing like button-ups but they're like Rolls it up at the sleeve, no tie, kind of like open at the collar button ups. So it's like professional, but, you know, Derek comfortable. Yeah. But the suits at the beginning is like, The okay. suits are weird. And they're still like kind of trying to pull him as a suit guy. And it's like, I really hate to break it to you. Like, number one, he does kill a suit. Number two, mm-hmm. he doesn't like wearing them. No. Like, let's He's... not kid ourselves here. He also has like three buttons unbuttoned on this shirt. Like, oh, yeah. Th- Halfway down his damn chest. It's 9 a.m. on a Monday. (laughs) He is like, fuck you if I'm wearing a goddamn suit at 9 a.m. on a Monday. I've been here already for an hour. And I'm about to get on a plane. Okay, fuck you. Like He has it unbuttoned down to his damn belly button. Like, it is (laughs) so open. Oh, my God. There's a joke later that he and Emily, he and Emily are, like, talking and he's like, I can do a thousand sit-ups. And Emily's like, bullshit. And he's like, do you want to prove it? And he starts like lifting up his shirt. And she's like, don't you dare. And I just like love the idea that Derek is like, Jacob, at any point he'll rip his shirt off. <laughs> okay. Derek is back, is glad. Derek's glad that Hodge is back. He's like, it's been a little shaky in here since like you've been gone. And Hodge is like, too bad. I'm requesting a transfer. And then, okay, Hodge brings up the drill sergeant comment that Derek makes in Revelations. And it made me realize that this episode takes place like four months after Revelations. It has been four months since Revelations. That's it. Yeah. Like that happened beginning of February. Now it's April. Is that four months? That's two months. Yeah. It's been like two months. Reed got addicted and all <laughs> drunk in like a month. I was he just really about to say. He ran the 12-step program. <laughs> he really did. I was just about to be like, wait a minute. It's been two months. He like got addicted and got off drugs so fast. He speed ran a character plot line. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> speedrunning character development oh no anyway i i do like that hotch though like hung on to that comment and was like remember when you called me a joe sergeant you're not gonna have to do that anymore and then derek says are you a pain in my ass yes sir but wanting to hang out with you and needing you to lead the team are two very different things but like they have hung out like in canon they go to bars together with the team so, like, I don't understand this comment. And they went to the bars literally the same day. Like, that was the night of the Super Bowl. And then two days later, Derek is like, fuck you, you're a drill sergeant. 
like they do hang up though i don't know i know that was just a weird like are we just retconning that okay and then hot shakes Derek's hand and goes it's been a privilege and just leaves so he goes to strauss and strauss is like this transfer is the right thing to do where do you want to work and he's like, oh, I thought I'd have my choice of posts. And she's like, yeah, but like you did fuck up a lot. So I am going to have to investigate. You could do like a white collar task force, nine to five job, be home with your kids every day. And then Emily comes in, stares at ha- uh, stares at Strauss, like, fuck you. She's like, anyway, Hotch, I'm quitting now. Uh, glad to see you back, sir. Bye. The team, <laughs> the team needs you, she says to Strauss. Okay. I was like, unlike Nandy Patinkin, <laughs> Emily is a professional. She's Emily, giving her notice at least. Well, she also like stayed for these two weeks. Wow. Yeah. She wasn't like, three of us are going to be gone. She was like, I'm the most senior. I will like watch. I'm the oldest. I'll watch the team while Hotch and Gideon are gone. When Hotch comes back, then I'll leave. And that's what she does. Good for her. Except it's so sad because she's going to resign from the FBI, take the foreign service exam, and join the State Department. Like, she's literally going to become a diplomat like her mother. But she's doing it to avoid having to snitch on her team. And so like, it's like a, no- a noble cause, but, like, tragic. Literally, she's such a tragic little hero. She's her own little tragic hero. She said, I'm a tragic hero. Aren't I cute? And she's like, Garcia already tried to talk me out of it. No, I'm leaving. Bye. And she leaves. And then Strauss is like, I'm going to oversee the case. But then it turns out that she doesn't have any field experience, which I thought was really interesting. I was like, how do you get to be a section chief without field experience and it's also like implied in a later season that she and alex blake have history on a case i think they just didn't know who strauss was supposed to be at this point besides an evil woman yeah like i i just i mean that so genuinely i just think that they were like we need an we need a villain and then they just gave us jane atkinson okay so let's talk about this how do we feel about strauss she did nothing wrong Strauss does nothing wrong. She literally did nothing wrong. Is she kind of a bitch? Yeah. But also, like, no. It's hard. It's hard. I am very sympathetic to the fact that she, like, was an FBI agent in, like, the 80s, in the 70s and 80s, and, like, had to deal with all of these shitty men who thought they were better than her, probably had to fight and claw her way up to this position, and now you have Hotch and Gideon, who... Gideon was there, and Hodge definitely reminds her of the men who tried to hold her back. So, like, of course she's going to be defensive, and of course she's going to be angry, you know. And I think, but she's also with- not nearly as angry as she could be, considering no. this team is full of fucking maniacs. Okay, this team. Okay, this team is full of maniacs. They're all like cowboys. Yeah, both she and later Linda Barnes are literally just. Like, hey, there are laws you have to follow. And, hey, like, you rules. know that you guys work for the government, right? You know that, right? You work just, for the government? I just always think of Reed when he's like, Mom, we're not the government. And I'm like, 
Yeah, you are. Literally the Federal Bureau of Investigation. What do you think you are if not the government? Yeah. Like, yeah, like if you're not the government, what are you? How do you do what you do if you are not the government? Truly. And the the bureaucracy, all of that, you know, so I understand why Strauss is on the defensive. I think that the show, this is kind of the show's first attempt, first time pitting the BAU against a regulatory force. Mm -hmm. Strauss wants them to follow the rules and not hide it when one of their agents is involved in a serial killing and not hide drug problems and like let people slide by therapy like she wants them to function like they should you know but we we like the cowboys but the cowboys are fucking cool you know the cowboys all get they get their guns they get their horses and they just ride off into the sunset you know like it's Mm -hmm. just it's a little hard because criminal minds message is so unclear sometimes Mm mm-hmm but, like, they are railing against the government, kind of. It's interesting to They me kind of don't like the government, but they are also the government. And they yeah. sort of, like, pick and choose when they decide to have issues with laws being presented to them. Like, remember fucking JJ's little, like, mic drop moment with the Privacy Act or, like... <laughs> Every time they're like, we need, we can't go in without their permission. We can't go in unless we're invited. Like, you guys are so close to following all the rules. (laughs) Except for, like, a lot of big things. (laughs) I think, too, it's kind of, you know, the fatal flaw of television. Yeah. Where, like, they're always right. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? So there's never any, like consequences you know like in this episode specifically the whole thing of like i'm just a civilian knocking on a little kid's door but like no emily you're not you're still in the system as an fbi agent and even if you weren't you're being used by the fbi as a tool like it still counts you know but they're right he is the serial killer and they saved her life you know it's like one of those things that like if they were ever they're breaking the rules always becomes justified because they're right. The yeah. whole like ends justifying the means thing. But in reality, you don't want your cops doing that. I don't want the cops entering my home without a search warrant. No. And that's valid. Yeah. I don't want to fucking talk to the cops without a lawyer. Cause fuck talking to cops. Like, Oh yeah. You say I invoke my fifth amendment rights and I, I, I am invoking my right to a lawyer, and I'm evoking my Fifth Amendment rights. And then you don't say anything until you're And then you shut the up. fuck up. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And I. I. Criminal Minds does fall into the trap of like, they ask for a lawyer, and then they kind of keep casually talking to them. Mm-hmm. That which is, they're not allowed to do. But I do think, I can't think of an example of them being like, you know, if you're not guilty, then you don't need a lawyer. You know, like. Yeah. That's a big stigma kind of in the society. That's like, well, why do I need a lawyer? I'm innocent. And it's like, that's not what your lawyer is for. (laughs) That's absolutely not what your lawyer is for, besties. Yeah, your lawyer is for to keep you from implicating yourself. You know, 
So even if, because we know tons of innocent people get sentenced incorrectly and sometimes for life, you know? So like, it's better to just wait for your lawyer and not fuck with any of that. Don't let the cops guilt you. Yeah. <laughs> into not don't getting fucking talk to cops. And like, I don't know. It does. It does. It is because they're the main characters of a TV show that they're always yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. And the show loves to be like, these are bad guys. These are villains, higher ups in the FBI, because they're trying to get our team to follow the rules. But our team gets results like the yeah. rules they're trying to get you to follow. are It's like basic society stuff, guys. <laughs> it's like basic stuff. If someone has an addiction problem, help them get help. It's not that hard. <laughs> like, like, I think, I think also though, I think part of it too is that we see everything from the BAE's point of view, so we know why they're breaking those specific rules. You know, we know, mm -hmm. like in No Way Out Two, you know, Hotch is like, we're not going to talk to the cops. Give them the clothes. They'll do the blood analysis. That's going to take too long. So we are doing what we're supposed to do, and we're also going to fuck off and do other things. And it's like, yeah. we know why they're hiding Gideon. Therefore, it is okay to hide Gideon. You know? Whereas, like, in reality, no, it's not. Sorry. Yeah. Strauss did nothing wrong. No, Strauss did nothing wrong. I think she's a product of how she came up to the FBI. Oh, and I was going to say, you know, the way she treats JJ later being all like, don't fucking tell me what to do is rude. But at the same time, like, who is JJ to pull this higher ranking official aside and be like, stop doing that? You know, JJ did kind of step out of line, didn't she? Yeah. And yeah. like. Yeah. She's not wrong. No. She's a little like she's blunt about it. Yeah. But she's not wrong. She's not wrong. And if you're no. blunt and not wrong, then I hate to break it to you, but you're not the <laughs> bad guy. Yeah. You're not a bad guy for just being like, no, you shouldn't do that. Like, come on. Yeah. And also Hotchek lifts lists out the reasons that like Strauss could fuck him up, like L, Reed, Gideon. And I'm like, yep, you just listed three reasons. You shouldn't be in charge of the PAU. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely correct. You know, I'm glad he like, stays. I, I love him. But at the same time, in real world government, I do not want this man in charge of anything. I don't want this man in charge of things. Absolutely not. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's fucking annoying. Yeah. Okay, so then we're on the plane with J.J., Reed, Morgan, and Strauss off to the side. And J.J.'s, like, pissed that Strauss is there. J.J. is, like, you know, from this angle, she almost looks human. Again, she is just a person. Like, what do you... She's literally just a person. She's just a person. Like, what, what the... Like, do you know this woman? You guys don't like, know anything your, about her. What's your deal? Why do you hate her so much? <laughs> All they know is that she suspended Hotch correctly, but they hate her for that. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, no word from Emily. She was gone before I heard the news. And then Reed's like, does this Strauss even have experience? And then Strauss, and then they're like, shh, shh, shh. And it's like, 
besties she was two chairs behind you she heard all of this she heard that whole thing you're on an airplane the size of a minivan she heard you like she heard you she's acting like she didn't to be nice to you Mm -hmm. but she heard you but she heard you yeah so then strauss comes over okay we're gonna talk about what we learned from the case and then we're gonna talk about Derek. So, the case. He abducts these women with no witnesses, holds them for 48 hours, no sexual assault, and then dumps them with the hearts carved out of the chest and the hearts missing. And then Derek gives Strauss pictures, like bloody pictures, and the woman in the picture looks just like Strauss. And clearly Strauss is, like, affected by this picture. She, Mm -hmm. like, you can check, covers her mouth. She clearly is, like, you know, upset by it. And they say, okay, maybe he had a psychotic break he might be a butcher or a hunter you know someone who's good with blood and bodies but isn't a surgeon and she goes okay what's the what's our theory what's our working theory and Derek just goes someone really doesn't like women and then stares at her and i think we need to address this dynamic it's not good for our boy is it no and it's difficult we've got come out of this dynamic unfavor uh, favorably no and i think you know the first time i watched it i was all like ha 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 get her but now that i like think about strauss more and i'm kind of like pro strauss yeah i'm like okay and it's hard right because you have like black man white woman Mm -hmm. so it's like you know the man is higher up than the woman but the like white is higher up than the black and the power dynamic but yeah he pulls, he fully pulls, like, big macho man on her. Yeah. Like, the way he just gives her the pictures, the way he's like, someone doesn't like women and stares at her and then, like, gets up and leaves. Like, he is trying to be intimidating. Yes. He is trying to intimidate her. And we see it in a few scenes where he just, like, starts ordering people around. He just takes charge. And it's like, you're not in charge right now, Derek. Like, that's like, I, your boss that's your boss's boss right here that's your boss's boss and you're ignoring her because she suspended your boss like it's it honestly reeks of misogyny it really does i think a lot of the times when criminal minds tries to frame a woman as a villain it just sort of really reeks as misogyny especially in an office environment because Mm -hmm. like yeah, there are not... intricate rituals at play here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, honestly, that makes me, like, side more with Strauss. Is like, here we are seeing a prime example of why she is so, like, uptight and rigid when it comes to men facing consequences. She's like, you can't treat me like this because I'm a woman. Like, and I have like... power here. Don't talk down to me. Yeah, it's so weird, too. It. Yeah. Man. I know. Derek, bud. I know. It's hard. Not your best work here, bestie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Back at the BAU, Garcia goes to Hodge's office and he's like packing his. He's very slowly putting one thing at a time in a box. And I was like, you got a lot of shit in this office, Hotch. Maybe you should pick it up. But whatever. We learned that Garcia got a bigger office with a new map. We never see that map again. 
I'm so sure we never see that lab again. Mm-hmm. With those little lights, no. And then she says, hey, JJ wanted me to give you the file. There's a new body. The others are headed straight there. And he's like, he's like trying not to look. But then he, of course, he opens it. And then it zooms in through the picture. And I. We haven't had one of these in a while. Like in a while. It's been a minute. Yeah. JJ, Derek, Reed, and Strauss are at the scene. Reed remembers the detective's name because apparently the detective like worked on the Dahmer case. So that's cool. And then the guy's like, you remember that? And JJ just goes, he remembers everything and makes this like soulless face of I hate myself. You know, he like caught her doing something embarrassing and won't let her forget it. You know she once mentioned she was on her period and he's been tracking that cycle ever since. Yeah. You know. Unfortunately, you know. You know it. She'll say something and he'll be like, that makes sense, two days before your period. And she's like, God damn it, Reed. Like, sometimes I'm just upset. But yes, it is two days before my period. (laughs) So here's the case. Oh, here's the thing about the body. A local merchant noticed her a few hours ago that he didn't see her right away when he got to work, which means she was dropped off sometime between 7.15 and 8.05 a.m. Wauwatosa, we learn, is a suburb that's 15 minutes away from where this body is. It's upper middle class. All the women have been taken from there and dumped in the third ward. And she's wrapped loosely so she's not recognizable as a body. And there's no prints on the tarps, but there is some paint and wood stain. And the detective is like, he must be using some sort of van or truck to move this body in that wouldn't be noticed in this area. And Reed's like, well, you know, the way he's throwing them out, he's clearly trying to demean them and treat them like trash. This woman was taken from the supermarket, which is important because any other day she would have been picking up her son, but he went out with a friend that day, so she went to the supermarket instead, which is why she was there, the only reason why she was there. So he's not, like, stalking them because, like, there's no way of knowing that was going to happen. And Strauss is like, so you have, what, five bodies now? You should have called us sooner. And JJ's like, <laughs> excuse me, pulls her aside and is like, hey, we need to work with them. We try not to insult them, whatever. And Strauss is like, do you not think they should have called us sooner? And she's like, I mean, I do. They should have. But and Strauss is like, exactly. Oh, and um, Agent Juro, never uh, do this again. Goodbye. And JJ like looks angry. And it's one of those things where it's like, at one point, like on one hand, I get it. JJ knows what she's doing. She has the experience here. She's right about being nice. On the other hand, that's her superior officer. And also, Strauss is correct. Five bodies? All with hearts cut out? They have been called in for so much less. Honestly, when you find the first body with the heart cut out, you send the files to JJ. When you find the second body with the heart cut out, you send her an email. The third body, you call her and say, hey, listen, I know you haven't gotten to like looking at our case yet. I know no one's had a chance to do the consultation. It's only been... Two or three days, but we have three bodies with the hearts cut out. 
each of the women missing for two days, each of them dumped the same way. Clearly there's a serial killer. We need your help immediately. Five bodies? Five bodies? This has been going on for 10 days. If he dumps and picks up a new one on the same day, that's been going on for at least 10 days. That's all in the span of two weeks. Are you telling me you are not banging down Jennifer Giroux's door after after three people get murdered in one week with the hearts cut out? Yes. Are you not banging down her fucking door? Yeah. I mean, honestly. Five? Yeah, Yeah, no. Like I said, I think one body, you're like, okay, let's get a consultation, you know, but no real rush. There's just one. Two, you're like, hey, can we get this sped up? There's a second one. Three of them, you're like, no, right now you need to come here. Five bodies, five women in two weeks. No. Strauss is right. Strauss is so right. And like, yeah, I get it. JJ's like, okay, well, we have to remain nice to them so they call us next time. Cool. They should have fucking called you sooner this time. Yeah. Two things can be true. You might still need to be professional and nice to them because they're the ones who are calling you into their crime scenes. But like, Mm -hmm. they should have fucking called you sooner. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, are you kidding? Especially because they don't know how he's picking women. They don't know, like, the actual circle. They don't know the timing. They have no kind of evidence. They said that they had a lead that didn't pan out. What the fuck was that lead? I don't know, but it didn't pan out. Yeah, I just, I don't like it. Okay. We cut to Hotch at home. He's looking at the case. He's got his computer. He's working. And Haley comes downstairs. She's like, Jack's asleep. What are you doing? Why are you working? And Hotch is just like, I'm just looking at it. Like, don't worry, it's fine. And Haley's like, I thought we were done with this. Like, Haley is fully going crazy. And then the house phone rings, and he answers, and they hang up. And then Haley's cell phone rings, and she doesn't pick up. And he does look suspicious. And I know this is, this is obviously supposed to imply that she's cheating on him, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't like it. I don't like it, but also... Good for her. (laughs) I don't completely not understand it either. I mean, he's never fucking home. He never chooses her. But the thing that gets me is he's been home for two weeks. So, like, what is this guy even doing? I guess because he was supposed to go back to work that day. Probably, yeah. But I was like, why are you even calling the house phone? That's so risky. Why are you? Yeah, why are you ever calling the house phone? Why are you ever calling the house phone? For real. What? Also, I'm sorry, but I could not cheat. Well, I couldn't cheat, period. But if I was going to, it wouldn't be with the <laughs> wife of an FBI agent. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Playing the <laughs> most dangerous game there, my guy. Because I was going to be like, he can look back at the calls on the house phone. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> he He's literally works for the FBI. <laughs> the FBI. Again, <laughs> I would not cheat in general, period. But. Right. That's some real dumb, risky business there, huh, isn't it? I also would not be stupid enough to call the house phone. <laughs> the house phone. Like, know, come I on. I know. And then immediately to call the cell phone? Like, you know he's there in the house. That's also like, whatever. And then Haley's like, I hate that you're working on a case. What did the section chief say? 
oh, a white collar crime task force, a nine to five life. It, and then she goes, it's a no brainer. And then she grabs her purse and like leaves. Hotch immediately picks up the phone and calls Derek. And is like, hey, I noticed all the abductions are right after school gets out. And then the bodies are dumped right before school. How does he get control? No ideas. Okay, keep me posted. And I'm like, bro, your marriage is actively falling apart in front of you. And you couldn't give two shits about it. And this is what you're doing? Come on. <laughs> like, I am of a firm, I am of the firm belief that you do not let people walk away like that. Like, you know, obviously if you're having an argument, they need space, whatever. But like, if your marriage is fully falling apart, your wife is like, please stop working. You think she might be cheating on you. And then she just leaves. I would be like, okay, sorry, I'm I'm going to stop working. Like, you're right. My bad. I'd rather save my marriage, you know? Um, no, he doesn't give a fuck, dude. And he immediately calls Derek. He's not even upset about it. Like, do you like her? And it's so sad because in Fisher King Part 1, he's like, fuck yeah, two weeks off. I'm going to go home and do chores. We see him in his like pirate hat cleaning the garage. They like have sex on the couch and he's like woken up still like naked on the couch with her, like having to answer the phone for work. And then here he is like one year later, literally his wife is going to leave him at the end of this episode. <laughs> like it's so tragic. I'm going to ask something a little controversial perhaps. Oh, please. Does Hotch like Haley? Because it certainly sometimes does not feel like it. I think that he did. I think what happened, as a married person, here's my diagnosis of their relationship. Okay, yes, an I, expert in the field. Obviously. <laughs> I think we married for three years. I think that, you know, they met when they were young. They spent what two years in high school together and then it sounds like they went to college together mm -hmm. he went to law school she probably worked they got married she, i think she's a stay-at-home mom now i do not think she always was yeah i don't think she was always a stay-at-home wife because jack got married to jack got born two years ago yeah so i would assume she had a job he had a job as a lawyer which is long hours but mm -hmm. you also set your hours, you know, and it would be like for cases, not constantly. So I think like they want a much more even playing field. And then he joined the BAU. And it slowly was like late nights. And then they started going into the field more. And then as he got more um, power and responsibility, he was working more and more. And she was probably still working too. And then she got pregnant. And then she had a baby. Mm -hmm. And he remained as committed to his job as ever. But she now has no job, only the baby. And my sister was, was a stay, is still a stay-at-home mother. Her, my niece is three now. And she, it drove her fucking nuts to be alone with a baby <laughs> all day. Babies are boring as shit. Yeah, they are. Like, until they're, like, cute, until they're, like, <laughs> until they begin to be people, they are just nothing. They're just and, little things that yeah, you like, need to keep alive. 
Yeah, like I went to visit her and I was like, this is the most bored I've ever been in my life. And she was like, I know. I held the baby for 45 minutes just so she could have 45 minutes the first time in months to like sit on the couch and go just like look at her phone for 45 yeah. minutes. She was yeah. like, I, she's like, all I do all day is hold this baby. So Haley goes from having her own job to giving birth, a birth to bed on bed rest, right? And then she gives birth and then she's a stay-at-home mom and her husband picks up none of the slack. He's not helping with anything around the house because he's never fucking home. And so she's like taking care of the house. She's taking care of this baby. She doesn't have a job anymore. Clearly doesn't have time for friends or anything. Her sister doesn't even live close by. So she's bored out of her mind and all she wants is her husband, ostensibly her best friend, to spend some fucking time with her. And he's like, ooh, yikes, bye, babe. Again and again. And we see that he was going to miss Jack's picture day and lessons learned. And we see that Jack went to the hospital because he had a problem and Hotch didn't even remember Jack was sick. Like, this has been happening again and again. On his birthday, Haley was like, in machismo, Haley was like, it's your it's your wife. You know? Like, mm-hmm. for years now, there have been signs that Haley is unhappy with the situation. She's bored out of her mind. Her husband is never home. And she is like, I'm not asking you to stop working. I'm not even asking you to quit the FBI. I'm just asking you to, like, care about your fucking family. And, yeah. and he... He won't. Not that he doesn't. He won't. He chooses work again and again and again. And that must drive her crazy. She's given up everything for this baby and for him to have this job. And he's not giving her an ounce of attention, an ounce of gratitude in return. And then even now he's home for two weeks and all he can think about is going back to work. You know? It's just so... It's terrible. It's a terrible situation for Haley. A and terrible again, situation. Gang, we are also on team Haley did nothing wrong. Absolutely. Haley, ever. 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 Honestly, I would hate it if she were cheating. I would. I just, I think cheating is terrible. I can understand her just wanting someone to like look at her romantically. To like you pay know? attention to her. To pay attention to her. And I firmly believe that if a hot, like, quit his job and came home and was a family, a husband, you know, a father that she would never think about cheating again. I think she's just desperate for human yeah. contact beyond her fucking baby. And like, she's right. She's right. And a lot of people are like, yeah, well, Hotch clearly cares about his family because of XYZ thing that happens later. Cool. That's fine and dandy, but he fucking no. doesn't. Cause he does not choose to be, with them like she's setting out a very clear like call for attention and he is not even willing to meet her halfway and i so we've i've been married for three years but we've been together for seven and for me love is very much about making choices to prioritize your partner over other things so it doesn't matter that hotch feels love for Haley, loves Haley, loves jack he is not treating them with love. He's not Correct. treating them with respect. And I think it is completely reasonable and understandable and acceptable for Haley to not put up with that shit. 
Yeah, because like love can be passive where you like love somebody and love also can be active where you are actively making choices to prioritize their happiness. Like yes. it's not hard. You just have yes. to like do it. Yes, and especially, you know, they've been together for like 20-something years. Yeah. Because they met in high school and he's like 40-something now. So, like, they've been together for a long time. And they, like, chose to get married. They chose to have a child later in life, right, for both of them in their 40s. And for him to then turn around and not care about any of that. You know, it's hard to me. It's wild to me. It's the same way that, like, you know, you can say, yeah, you can say you love someone and feel like you love someone, but if you are not putting, making actionable choices to treat them well, to love them, then no, you don't. You love the idea of them. You love the idea of having a partner. But, like, when you're in a relationship, it's every day. Every day you have to decide that they are you know the one you're going to spend forever with it's a long time it's a big (laughs) choice and it's a lot of little choices and Hotch again and again is making the wrong choices exactly up up to and including this episode when he literally leaves his wife and then he's surprised she isn't there when he gets home what did you expect was going to happen you flew to Milwaukee I feel like in the beginning, Haley was very much like a tool. Like, Hodge is a family man. So she was kind of like the plot device that shows that and mm-hmm. to show that he struggles. And I think in this episode, Haley like became a person. Like, she became her own character. Instead of like yeah. Hodge's wife, she became a person. Haley. Haley. And I like that. And I think it turned a lot of people off of her. But it made this is what made me like her more when she was just the passive like okay honey go do your job I'll be here with the baby I was like okay whatever but when she did this I was like yes girl you deserve better and by staying with him she she is actively in a situation where she cannot find that love right that's what that's why she's cheating if she is you know like as long as she's with him she can't go find somebody else who's going to treat her right yeah. So it's like even more punishment to herself to stay in that relationship. And I like that she finally went, I deserve better. Your son deserves better. Step up or we're gone. And he doesn't step up. And she leaves and she and Jack move in with Jessica, her sister. Like. Correct. Get it, girl. Get it, girl. The women this episode, I don't think really did anything wrong. No. JJ maybe a little bit. Emily maybe a little bit. But I think the secondary women, the like secondary characters did yeah. nothing wrong. Strauss and Haley, I'm on their side. It's funny. I always end up liking the, the, the minor characters everyone hates. Like in Grey's Anatomy, I love Erica Hahn. I will defend that woman until I fucking die. But everyone hates her. Okay. There's a little rant about marriage. And, hey guys, I love being married. That's not a <laughs> joke. I just need you all to know. I love my wife. I love I love having a wife. I love hanging out with my wife. I like spending time with her, like thinking about her. <laughs> Your wife's pretty cool. My wife's kind of the best and I love her and she's my best friend. Okay, <laughs> I might cut this out, but I, I don't care. When we first started dating seven years ago, I was freshly 22. She was freshly 23. And I had a crush on somebody else. 
So I I moved to Baltimore in September of 2015. And it was kind of, literally, it was just like I had lived in Florida my whole life. Mm-hmm. I went, I worked in Michigan for a couple of summers. But for like one month in 2015, I worked at the Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival, which is where I met Allison. And we did not become anything. Uh, but I had a huge thing for her. Uh, and But we never like hooked up or anything. But I was convinced it was a wrong wrong place, wrong time. So when I graduated from college at the end of 2014, I lived with my parents. I worked, I met Allison. I worked in Michigan. And then I came home. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? What am I doing? Here we are. We're at the point. What am I doing? And I was like, I should just move somewhere. I should just go somewhere. Figure it out. <laughs> and I picked Baltimore because that's where Allison lived. And so I moved to Baltimore. And I had I had like two other friends there, one of whom I lived with for a brief period. So I moved to Baltimore. And I had this huge thing for Allison. And we became good friends. We still like send TikToks back and forth. But <laughs> the true mark of friendship sending TikToks back and forth. Listen, I have like reconnect with people and I'm like, do you have a TikTok? Great. And then we send TikToks and it's like, that's how we reconnect as friends is by like commenting and then a conversation starts. It's nice. Anyway. James sends me TikToks very regularly, but he does have to send them via text. Yeah, because he refused <laughs> to get a TikTok. Okay, but so I moved to Baltimore because of Allison. And like I had a crush on her, but like I was like, okay, I was resigning myself to the fact that it was never going to happen, etc. And so I went on Tinder and Sharon and I met on Tinder. And we talked on Tinder for a week and then we're like, let's meet up. We met up and then we just like kept hanging out. And now we're married. <laughs> Wild. Wild. You know, but they were like, but yeah, I had this huge thing for Allison at the time. Oh, this is, what I, this is why I brought this up. One night when we were living in our first apartment together, Sharon was like, who's your best friend? And I was like, Allison, you're my girlfriend. Allison is my best friend. And Sharon's like, well, you're my best friend. And I was like, oh, I mean, Nice. But like, you're my girlfriend. I have a best friend. You know, whatever. Seven years. It has been seven years. And Sharon will still be like, remember when you told me Allison was your best friend? And now you you guys don't even talk. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like. (laughs) I'm with Sharon on on that one. I think that's very funny, actually. No, it's very funny. It's very good. I literally, I was like, Sharon, shut the fuck. Now I'm like, you're my best friend. And she's like, really? (laughs) <laughs> do you remember in 2015 <laughs> and I'm like shut the fuck up <laughs> anyway being made is wonderful Hotch should appreciate it more Hotch needs to get his fucking shit together I swear to god why would you ever put having a wife at risk exactly I don't understand also I gotta say before I was in a long term relationship I was always really confused. Okay, actually, this is not true. When I see straight people, <laughs> I'm always like, why are you married? Do you even like each other? Like, are you guys, you need to be best friends. Like, marriage is just like best friends plus. Exactly. You know? So I like see couples and I'm like, you're not friends. You just, you're roommates. Like, <laughs> and that's, and that's Hodge and Haley. Hodge and Haley are just roommates. They're literally just roommates. And now they're like bad roommates. Okay, we're at a kid's store, clothing store. 
the woman is looking at her options. Okay, this boy comes up and like puts his hand on her and she jumps like she's been shot. And I know it's for dramatic effect, but like, really? In a, like, someone's just like, excuse me, and you're just like, <gasps> no. I don't know, man. I don't know. I Also, I'm always aware of where I am in space in public <laughs> for yeah. a variety of reasons. Same. I, can't, I cannot imagine getting so caught up in like a toddler's outfit that I do not notice there's a person near me. <laughs> exactly. No. I'm, for better or for worse, completely aware of my surroundings at all times. Absolutely. Unless I'm not, and then we have a different problem. Okay. He's, the boy is like, hey, I'm lost. Help me find my dad. And she's like, okay. And he takes her out to like the loading dock. And she's like, are you sure this is where he said to meet him? And he's like, yeah, there's fewer people. And then the dad shows up. Okay. He pulls out a box cutter as his weapon. Like the tiniest knife on the planet. Sir, you're a carpenter. You have better blades. He just pulls out a little like safety box cutter as if it's going to like it's gonna hurt but it's not gonna stab deep enough to do anything <laughs> we're at the police station the woman's name is clara thompson her car was stopped them all but she was gone okay and this is where Derek comes in and is like jj you and strauss go talk to the husband we're gonna do this and you're gonna do that and i was like why is strauss getting sidelined relegated to husband talking duty yeah and why is morgan giving the orders i don't know i don't know and the thing is is i know there's a deleted scene where strauss like supports morgan being mm-hmm. you know like one of the officers is like should we be listening to him or to you and she's like he's doing a good job which i appreciate it does make her when i first saw it i was like oh that makes her more likable but yeah. now i'm and that's like probably why they cut it <laughs> right and now though i'm like now that i am on strauss's side i'm like no, Strauss, you're in charge here. You're allowed to be in charge here. I, yeah, I ultimately would like if they had kept that scene because I think it would make more sense than for later when Derek does go into positions of leadership. It would make mm-hmm. more sense that like Strauss saw that and was like, yeah, I'll let him go while I'm here to monitor, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. while I, somebody outside of the BAU, am right. here to monitor his first steps into leadership, right? Mm-hmm. I think that would serve both of their characters very well. As it stands now, I don't know why she's letting him tell the fucking orders, because I guarantee you, if I had somebody who worked under me, who tried oh, to God. intimidate me earlier that day, and then was going around giving orders, I would be like, no, yeah. you're not in charge here. I am. So sorry. Yeah. But absolutely not. And again, Strauss did nothing wrong. Sorry. Rewatching this podcast, rewatching the show as an adult makes me realize that Strauss absolutely did nothing wrong. No. I mean, even watching the, even- the drinking stuff aside, sure, whatever, very obviously did do something wrong. And there's that one episode where she's like having a real bad time and that's fair Oof. or whatever. But this episode, she did nothing fucking wrong. No. Even rewatching it, like, you know, watching it the first time, I watched it casually, just like I had it on while I was doing my thesis. So I was only half mm-hmm. paying attention. And I hated her because that's what they want casual viewers 
to get from it, you know? But like, <laughs> now that we're experts in criminal minds, rewatching it. Everything about this show. Now that we know everything about this show and have seen almost all of it and know the world and stuff, I'm like, yeah, she didn't do anything wrong. Okay. They find the security footage. Morgan calls Garcia. They see that a kid has come up to the woman. They see the boy. And they're like, well, she doesn't have a son. She's a daughter. And then there are no cameras. So then Derek brings up, oh, Hutch said this about the hours that he's probably using the kid as bait. And Strauss, rightfully so, is like, like makes like a head jerk of like, what? You talk to Hodge? Which like, correct. 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 She Hodge did is... not do anything wrong here. No. And also what kills me about later when Emily's like, well, technically I'm not an agent. It's like, neither is fucking Hodge. If Emily's not an agent, Hodge isn't an agent. Like, it can't be one or the other. They both apply. Well, I guess Hodge applied for transfer. It not but like that a, didn't go through. I mean, he is still an agent. Yeah. Right. And so is Emily. You know, well, the, but yeah. Emily Emily was resigning from the FBI. Hodge was just transferring. But I was going to say, like, why does he have these files? You know, if he's not part of the thing anymore. But I guess technically he still is. I just, like, the way they keep going over Strauss's head. Like, they don't follow a single directive of Strauss's this episode. I'm not going to lie. They would not be keeping their jobs. No. She's going so easy on them. That's the thing, too, is, like, I think the show, Criminal Minds, really emphasizes that they have a specialty no one else does. So they kind of have this, like, immunity from a lot of stuff. Because if the BAU were fired, like, if J.J., Reed, Morgan, etc. were fired, there would be no one to replace them. But here's the other thing. Mm. They teach people how to do what they do. Literally teach them. Like, I really hate to be like, nobody is replaceable. But like, also, there are books on this. You teach your replacements. They also all get replaced at one point or another. So like, (laughs) there are other people who do what you do. Yeah. What's up here? What's going on here? It's interesting because, like, Emily shows up and he's like, Hot is like, you don't have any experience, which we know isn't true. Or we will know isn't true, but, you know, it's true at the time. But, like, she still joins and fi- she's fine. And then doesn't Luke, like, join and then take his exam? Yeah, Luke is just, like, a fugitive hunter. I mean, a very good one, admittedly. But then he, like, joins and his first thing is, like, he's always reading a book to try and take the exam. Right. And then, like, Tara's a researcher, so it's, like, weird that they just... It's just, like, their whole thing about, like, you ha- you can't join unless you already have experience. But then, like, Seaver is allowed to do her, like... Work you know, study here. Her, like, practicum at the BAU. So it's, like, what is the truth? How hard is this job? Really? Okay. Next, we're doing the profile. They need to single out trucks and vans. Then the guy's not going to drive something that stands out. It probably has a company logo. And they need to follow the path. So he probably either lives in Wabatosa or in the Third Ward. Because the murders aren't sexual, they're just they're to make a point. They're not for gratification. They're for making a point. And they think that they've been killed this way because maybe it's the sickest way the unsub can think of. 
The big question is, what is he doing with them for 48 hours? And also, why is he using his own son? Okay. And then they have a terrible description of borderline personality disorder. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, is yeah. it? They're not like, good, if, besties. if he's using his own son, he probably has borderline personality disorder. And then they call them borderlines. Which, we use person-first language nowadays. People with borderline personality disorder, not borderlines. Okay. Borderlines. That's such and, a... You know, those autistics. <laughs> you know, those weird little obsessive compulsives. I was just going to say obsessive compulsives. Yeah, I don't like it. Please don't give me a title based on my diagnoses, real or otherwise. I'm a James first person, you know? Yes. Before yeah. anything else, I am a James. I am a James. <laughs> Unrelated, but did I tell you, Millie, my niece doesn't fully understand like gender yet and my sister's doing great with pronouns like if they don't know somebody they use they them pronouns like even for for strangers yeah like my sister's really like trying to push that you know um but it's hard to explain like that's good but then also like if a woman walks up to you like you know you can use she or like that kind of thing yeah the nuance is lost on three-year-olds and a three barely three yeah but I use they, them. So it's kind of like I'm an immediate person and she needs to learn my pronouns kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So she calls me James them. (laughs) It's really cute though. Yeah. And I was visiting her and she literally the last time I visited her in September for her third birthday, she was like, are you a boy or a girl? And I was like, great question. Good question. I, I have like, this thirty-page PowerPoint presentation. There's a few. There's a few. We got a few reference yeah. documents to get through first. I was like, "How do I tell a three-year-old about gender?" So I was like, "You know, some people are boys, some are girls, some are both, and some are neither." So you know how your mom's a girl and your dad's a boy, and she's like, "Mm-hmm." And I'm like, "You know how you're a girl and Sharon's a girl," and she's like, "Mm-hmm." I'm not a girl or a boy. I'm a James. And she's like, you're a James. And I was like, yeah. There's boys and there's girls and there's James. James. (laughs) And she's like, okay. And then I always wear shorts when I'm over there. But I was wearing pants. And she's like, you're not dressed like a James today. And I was like, what? She's like, you're not dressed like a James today. I was like, because I'm wearing pants. She's like, yeah. And I was like, do Jameses wear shorts? And she's like, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. And then for Thanksgiving, they were here for Thanksgiving and Mel had Thanksgiving with us. So I had to explain. I was like, Mel is a James. Mel uses <laughs> they, them. Mel is a James. But we got around it by one of her grandparents' name is Mel. So then we had Grandma Mel and we had Friend Mel. So she just only called her Friend Mel. <laughs> That's really cute, though. Yeah, it's like... She's getting it. She's yeah. a little confused, but she got the spirit. <laughs> She, like, she doesn't get the words, but she, like, gets it, you know? Yeah, she understands. Yeah, she gets it. It's just, it's a lot to talk about, you know, especially with, you know, my she's gender three. You stay. <laughs> but she's But she's got it, you know? Um, okay, anyway, I just thought that was funny. When you talked about, like, I'm a James first. <laughs> they say if he's using his son, he's a borderline and borderlines, their relationships revolve around them, their decisions are absolute, and they're sensitive to rejection. 
feels oversimplified. For sure. He's cracking their breastbone, which shows hard labor and he's strong. And then we see all of the hearts and boxes. Okay. He's like handmade wooden boxes, but they're all too small and none of them have enough um, formaldehyde in them. So it's like, what? Do you think he made the boxes first before he had a heart and that's why they're like just a little too small? Do you think he he just made like 20 and was like, maybe I'll get there? Do you think he set his goal using boxes made? No, I think he's, I think part of his sick nonsense is that he likes the idea that some of it's going to like rot away. Also, I don't think he cares. Like later, the detective is like, this is what you want to leave for your kid. I don't think he thinks to give two shits about his child. I don't think he does either. I think it is purely for aesthetics, especially the way he like has them displayed like it's for him. Yeah. Like, I don't think he has borderline personality. I think he's a fucking narcissist. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was weird this episode that they were going so hard on BPD, but like, no, I think he's just a narcissist. Yeah. And I think with narcissist parents specifically, you kind of have two, you know, two options. You either have the narcissist parent who is like, my child is an extension of myself and therefore I will completely control this child. And then there's the, my child is another person and I only care about me. I don't care about my child. And I think this guy is the latter. I think that he like is using his child as a tool, but doesn't actually feel any like emotional attachment to him. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about that kid for sure. Not at all. And the times that he like is kind to the kid or like shows any sort of care, it's like so performative. Okay. Guy has boxes and hearts. And then, okay, he's taking a shower in his workroom, just like by the hearts. He walks out all, like, wet and naked. And then the woman is just hung up in the same... Like, she's in the same outfit, hung by her Did you wrists. notice this scene? When they kept switching to his, like, close-ups, he kept going from wet to dry to wet to dry. <laughs> no. He kept, like, getting dried off between scenes because they were there for a while, I guess. And so he, like... They didn't re-wet him enough. <laughs> Gotta make sure They didn't spritz him enough. He needs to be wet enough. Mm-hmm. So he like walks out, he like ties the towel on his waist and he's like, goes to, goes to Carla and is like, I'm going to take you upstairs. You're going to be nice to the boy. Not like the little bitch we both know you are. Okay. She nods. And then he screams at her and is like, you need to verbalize it. And she's like, I understand. I understand. Cool. Cut to Hotch making Jack mac and cheese. Okay. You know the connection I just made? The dichotomy of like, Jack, Hotch, and Haley versus the kid, the woman, and the dad. Oh, you know? Because, like, Hotch comes in and is like, I made mac and cheese. And then, like, Morgan calls and Haley's like, here you go. And it's like, it, like, looks like a happy family, but, like, we know the hard part. And then it cuts to the woman going upstairs and, like, asking if the guy, the boy wants a sandwich, you know? It's, like, just a really interesting, like, I don't know what the thesis of that is. But I just noticed that they're doing that. They are trying to like mirror those. No, that is interesting. I didn't think yeah. about that before now. Yeah. Okay. Hotch bakes Jack mac and cheese. Morgan calls. There's still no Gideon. There's no mention of Emily. They're just like, Gideon isn't here. Anyway, 
<laughs> not talking about Emily. And somebody else looks at scribble writing on hand and Emerson? <laughs> there's no heart. There's no pretzels. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And Hotch is like, I put it in for a transfer. And Derek goes, no, you didn't. I checked the system. Your transfer isn't there. This is a very important moment. Hotch says, I need to think about this. Because he, this is literally Hotch's choice right now. Because the transfer didn't go through. But he is planning on transferring. You know? So it's like he can either, you know, put in the application again, confirm why it's not there, and go through with it. Or... He can be like, well, I didn't technically transfer out yet, so I have to go in. You know, like he literally like, this is his time to make that choice. He honestly makes the wrong choice. Sorry, Hodge. So we cut to, we cut back to the unsub's house. And the woman goes upstairs, sees the boy doing his homework. She like, oh my God, she puts on this brave face. Like she's clearly like a good mother she's trying really hard in a bad situation yeah. yeah she like puts on her best face and she's like so what are you doing and he's doing math extra credit which comes up later and she's like i can help you with it and the dad's like no he needs to learn how to do it on his own which is important because the dad is dying can we talk hmm. about the fact that this kid is doing like multiplication extra credit and he's like the rest of the class is still on division I learned division after multiplication. Yeah. Multiplication yes. is the fir- is the one that comes yeah. first. It's addition and then subtraction and then multiplication and then division. Then division. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. rest of the class is still under. They're ahead of you, bud. No. They're ahead of you. Sorry. <laughs> What's going on here? So funny. I wonder if he just like messed up and they kept it. So then the guy's like, no, you need to learn because he has to do it by himself. But then the boy clearly, like, wants to please his dad and the woman because he's, like, looking between them. And then he's like, you could make me a sandwich. And she's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then the man takes the boys upstairs. Okay, she's, like, running around, like, knocking on windows, trying to get out, but it's locked from the inside. She, like, throws something at the window and it, like, doesn't break. She's, like, banging on it. And then the male person is, like, listening to music. <laughs> can't hear <laughs> they have their airpods in they can't hear us yeah i in this situation honestly my first thought is number one grab a chair try and break that window but number two go mm-hmm. back down to the place where all the fucking tools are get a fucking crowbar that's a good point well she doesn't know like where he would i mean it makes sense like you're in a room full of windows and doors to try and get out the windows and doors We don't see what her next step is. Yeah, that's fair. Back to Hotch. He's in his suit. He's pulling his gun out of his safe. Haley literally walks in like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm fully on Haley's side in this conversation. Hotch is like, you know, Gideon's not there. They need me. My transfer hasn't gone through yet. I can't switch off my loyalty. And then Haley's like, who are you being loyal to? Like, they suspended you. But... From Hodge's point of view, he's being loyal to his team. You know, like, it's not about the FBI. It's about these five people, you know? I guess. And he, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't approve of it, but I think that's kind of the, you know, who is he being loyal to? 
And also Hodge starts like telling Haley, like he's cutting out their hearts, their mothers. And Haley just says, don't make me the monster here. And I think that's so correct of her. And they try so hard to make her the bad guy. She's she not. is not the bad guy. No. And Haley's like, I know this isn't going to stop. Hodge is like, this is the last case. And she's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It won't be. It won't be. You need to choose to turn this off. And Hotch is like, this is who I am. And she says, no, this is what you do. Haley, thank you for delivering us the thesis statement of this whole fucking show. Like, right? truly. Who you are versus what you do. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for just putting it clearly so we yeah. can point back here every time one of them makes a choice about who they are versus what they do. Yeah. Thank you, Haley. Haley, thank you. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's it's really interesting also that, like, you know, I said before that I don't think Hotch is arrogant enough to be like, they need me. And that's why he, like, goes and he gets Emily. He's like, they need us. But this is, like, 100% a moment where he is arrogant like that because... You know, he would still be helping people in other, like if he joined a white collar crime task force, he would still be helping people. He just wouldn't actively be like hunting serial killers. He wouldn't be a cowboy anymore. And I think that that is, you know, kind of the core of Hodge. He just can't stop being Batman. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting though, because Haley even says, like, you need to be a hero. You need to be the hero. And I think, I think she's right. You know, I have She's right. His, like, hero complex is clear. And, like, I like Hotch. He's a likable guy and a likable character. He's sometimes complicated and hard to like, like, right now. But, like, overall, (laughs) by and large, I like him. Yeah. Yeah, but I- He's also doing some shit right now. I know. I know. And I think that whole idea of, like, you know, I think Hotch wants to be a martyr, you yeah. know, at some point. She says, like, a happy life isn't enough for you. And I think she's, I think she's right. She's known him his whole life. And I think she's right. And then Haley is basically like, please stay. And he won't do it. And as he leaves, she goes, make sure to kiss your son goodbye. And I was like, oh. Like, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. just, I do think, yeah, Hotch always thinks he is going to die a martyr, yeah. right? And I think that is all incredibly clear, even from the Reaper stuff later. I think so too. I think that makes it incredibly clear that Hotch is not really planning to live. No, I think you're completely right. And I think the way he puts himself into certain situations, I think you're completely right. Okay, let's talk about Emily's apartment. Because it it does bother me. So her apartment, she 100% bought like a pre-furnished apartment. Or she was like, mom, I'm coming back. Help me find an apartment. And her mom decorated it for her. Because it's the most boring, soulless apartment I have ever seen. It is so boring. It's so boring. At one point, we see like art on the wall. And it is so clearly like... I'm so sure it's, like, from Target. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm so sure I could buy Emily Pontus' art. And then there's, like, 
this little nook under her stairs that has like a little bookshelf, one chair that looks so uncomfortable and a plant and another art. And then she has a wine rack. It's a one of those ones, like a triangle. It has five bottles of wine on it and she has an open bottle of wine, which like is fine, but it implies that she took a bottle of wine out and immediately put in a new one. She was like, gotta be ready. Gotta keep it locked and loaded. Like, okay. Emily. Gotta keep this shit stocked. Right. I'm only home for five minutes at a time, but I gotta have my wine. No, it's just stupid. Question. Mm-hmm. Is somebody over at the apartment with her right now? Abso-fucking-lutely. Abso-fucking-lutely. Are you kidding? She's dressed. She's wearing her, like, heeled boots. Nice pants, a nice top, her makeup's done, her hair's done. There's, like, a classic music playing. The Again, the wine bottle's open. She's made tea. And at one point, she even, like, looks up at the, like, upstairs where she's like, I gotta, I was doing something. And it is- makes me laugh. Further question, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is there just some pretty blonde woman tied to her headboard right now? I don't think tied. I think, here's my thought. She and and this woman went to dinner. Mm -hmm. They came back to Emily's apartment. She's like, do you want to, she was like, do you want to come back to my place for a glass of wine? And the woman was like, okay, sure. So she comes back. They have a glass of wine on the couch and Emily's playing the music. And then she's like, you know, it's pretty late. And I wouldn't want you to walk to the metro at this hour. Why don't you stay the night? Why Not don't her pulling upstairs? this fucking baby it's cold outside ass excuse. Yeah, God absolutely. damn. Emily's like, why don't we move things upstairs? The woman's like, okay. And Emily's like, I've got nowhere to be in the morning. And then there's a knock. So Emily's like, I'll go get the wine that we left downstairs. So she comes downstairs and then there's a knock on the door. And she's like, how does anyone know where I live? Is this my mother? She looks in the window. It's fucking hot. She literally looks at the people, rolls her eyes, and opens the door. Doesn't even let him in. She just opens the door. And she's like, yes? And he's like, the team needs us. And she's like, oh, come in. What's going on? What's happening? He's like, like, I'm just like a little busy right now. Just a little bit. I'm a little drunk and a little busy. And she's like, what's going on? And Hotch is like, the team needs us, case in Milwaukee. And she's like, no. And Hotch goes, okay. And she's like, oh, what? what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Why are you really here? What's going on? <laughs> Which I do love. And, oh, yeah, she keeps a plastic cutting board, cutting board beside, like, behind her stove. That shit's a fire hazard. Anyway. And then Hotch is like, we're in dereliction of duty. And Emily's like, I'm not going to do it. And Hotch is like, okay, bye. And then Emily asks what's going on. And he guesses about Strauss. He's like, my guess is Strauss wanted you to spy. And to your credit, you quit instead of spying. And Emily's like, why would Strauss want me to spy? And Emily says, Strauss wants top leadership. And, you know, but you won't play long. And Emily's like, what could I have told her? And Hotch says, you know, L, read, that would end my career. And Hotch is like, I, but she didn't. Good for you. And then Emily just says, like, I told you, I hate politics. And Hotch just says, you know, okay, but if, like, your bag is still packed, right? Come with me if your bag is packed. 
Emily, like Hodge, has to be like, the blonde upstairs, good job, shit, fuck, fine. She runs upstairs and she's like, babe, I'm so sorry. I have to go to work. You know how it is being an FBI agent. Ugh. You know, <laughs> never calls the woman again. <laughs> For sure never calls her again, unfortunately. So unfortunately. sorry. Okay. I'm going to bring this up because I think we talked about it last time. It's interesting to me that Emily is only like answering questions, only asking questions. Like she's trying to like figure out how much Hosh knows before she says anything that could like, not incriminating, you know, but like look bad. She's not going to tell on herself. I like that quite a lot because it feels like something a diplomat's kid learned how to do you know absolutely i'm not lying i'm just asking questions mm -hmm. i don't know the answer to these questions but i'm just asking yeah. like, why do why do you think i quit why would strauss ask me to do that what could i have told her why would i have said yes okay you know everything you get it i told you I hate politics. I'm not doing this. Like, she did not tell him anything. She didn't tell she, him anything. She just she just waited for him to reach the conclusion, conclusion right. he was going to inevitably reach. Right. I love it. I love it. Good for her. I hate politics, she says, after expertly politicking her way <laughs> into the situation. Okay. We go back to Milwaukee. We learn that the police are on triple patrol. It's really hard being behind. Okay, and then we get a scathing review of the true crime community in 2007. <laughs> the police is like, everyone wants to talk about Dahmer. Like, everyone's obsessed with his murders. It was all happy days, and now all they will talk about is serial killers. How could they think this is fun? I enjoy that. Love that you're roasting your own audience, though. <laughs> I know. It's so funny that Criminal Minds girlies turned into true crime girlies, and yet all of Criminal Minds is like, fuck true crime enthusiasts. <laughs> like... So funny. Okay. And then Reed is like, Gideon says there are things that attach to you that you can't wash off. And Strauss has like a little like look. Okay. JJ profiles and gives them the only lead they have. JJ's like, listen, I know we're trying to zero in on an unsub, but like, shouldn't we focus on the boy? Because like a kid will have clearer trauma. And everyone's like, oh, sure. Strauss calls Garcia. It's inappropriate. JJ immediately looks smug as shit. JJ's like, ah ha ha ha, ah ha ha ha. She's so cute, Your Honor. <laughs> okay. Okay. They say they need a list of every grade school in the third ward and Wauwatosa, which is about 11 schools, 3,200 students. Wild. There are more students in my one high school than in all of the third ward in Wauwatosa. <laughs> Milwaukee is not a small city. No. Milwaukee is a very large city. It's so weird to me that, that that's like it. They're like trying to act like it's some small town. And then they're like nine elementary schools. Like that's not a lot of elementary schools. I mean, it has several wards. Like what's going on here? <laughs> Gang, what's up here? Yeah, I have no idea. They're like, we need all the guidance counselors because we're going to talk to them about the kids. Great. 
Penelope starts to apologize and Strauss does hang up on her, which is a little rude. A little rude. I'll the, give I'll give Strauss that or I'll give Penelope that. But at the same time, Strauss did call a tech analyst and who responded with a sexy comment. And Strauss is like, yeah, I'm not talking to this person anymore. And that's fair. Yeah. But Derek is like really mad because like that's his girl, even though in a few episodes he's going to be super shitty to her. Okay. JJ and Reed and Strauss and Derek, I think, split out to go talk to counselors. JJ and Reed are talking to like a principal or an office lady, and it's like they come from a single parent home. They're sullen. They probably steal from female teachers. They're clingy to women in weird situations, and their classmates probably bully them. And it's like the longest list on the planet. And then we see kids slowly getting out of school. And the boy is like slowly walking to the dad's car, like with no friends. And I think it's meant to imply that he's like sullen and sad and all that kind of stuff. Um, Can I just say, this mm-hmm. boy's wardrobe this whole episode is so funny to me. He's always wearing little polo shirts and cargo shorts. It's very funny to me. I'm yeah. sorry, but it is funny. No, it's funny. He's just like a little man. He's just a little guy. <laughs> yeah. So he gets in the car. The dad has a headache. And the kid's like, how's that woman doing? Is she going to leave? I don't want her to leave. And the dad's like, sometimes things happen. And then the dad is like, <laughs> do you ever think they'll leave because of you? Which makes me think the boy didn't know the dad's killing them. I think the boy might just think that the dad's like, the women Very just leave. Yeah. Yeah. But... But the boy has to know. Does he? He's not allowed in the workshop, so he hasn't seen any of the hearts. And his dad is, and his dad's putting it into his head that like women are terrible. They're bitches. They don't care about you. Like blah 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 blah. They all leave. Huh? No, I guess he probably doesn't. And the boy chooses them. So he's like, why don't you go choose your new mom? We'll see if she stays. And then she doesn't. And the dad's like, see, they never stay. Okay, choose a better one. You know? And then the boy at the end brings a school nurse. Because she's, you know, I don't think the boy necessarily knows. He finds out. He certainly finds out. (laughs) But I don't think he knows at this point. Uh, But the dad, the son, because the son says, have you ever thought about the reason they all leave? Like, do you ever think it could be you? And then the dad hits him. And this is, again, another, like, narcissist thing. He doesn't apologize to the kid for hitting. He hits him, and he's like, I just wanted to make you understand. You know, it's all right. It's okay. And he never actually, like, apologizes to his son for hitting him. True. Which is more narcissist, narcissism than BPD. Right. Boy. Much more. Okay, back at the station, they're like, the kid's no older than seven. We're going to work youngest to oldest. Look at the worst behavior. Garcia's going to look for criminal records. It's going to take them 12 hours to go through everything. Hotch and Emily arrive. Emily, in her low-cut pink shirt, looks at JJ and says, how fast can you get us up to speed? And JJ, in her low-cut blue shirt, says, how fast can you sit down? And then they, like, grin at each other, and it's very cute. They're wives <laughs> i think they're kind I of hate married, to break it to you guys but i think they're married actually yeah and 
also I like the idea of Hotch and Emily having to take a um <laughs> just like a regular flight. plane. Yeah, definitely first class because they're both rich as shit. But yeah, and they can just flash an FBI badge and get somebody else kicked out of first class anyway. So yeah. like, who cares? You know? Yeah, and then they just get to like drink champagne while they wait. Okay. Then Strauss walks in and Emily goes, we're only here to help. And Strauss is like, we'll deal with this later. To her credit, you know, she's like, okay, we need to solve this case first. She's never like not thinking about the case is the thing. Like I get that she's like a bureaucrat and we're supposed to hate her, but she truly is just trying to solve the case. She's literally just trying her best. Guys, she did nothing wrong. Yeah. Okay. So then it's been 11 hours. And they're like trying to talk to people. And then Hotch is like, oh, by the way, JJ, thanks for giving Garcia that file to give to me. And JJ's like, I didn't see Garcia before I left. So then it's like, oh, Garcia gave them the file all along. Great. So, oh, wait, the boy does know. So the woman comes in and the boy is like really sadly eating (laughs) cereal. And the woman's like, how's it going? And he's just like, I'm not talking to you. And she's like, can I have some cereal? And he's like, sure. And then the boy says, he's going to kill you, you know. So he does know. So, so that whole know. conversation we had earlier is a moot point. Moot point. Well, well I'll leave it in for yucks. <laughs> okay. The next morning at the scene. Oh, this is so sad. Strauss is like trying to get a closer look at the body. Okay, first off, nobody else tries to get as close as Strauss does. They really let her just like go for that Fall body. for what? Yeah, and then she exactly. trips and Hotch catches her and Strauss is like, I stepped on her hair. And Hotch says, this is what it is. Just don't let the public see you break down. She leaves. No one else tries to go down there. They truly just let her do that. <laughs> so she goes away. Then they're like, the killer's dumping in a new area because he knows where the police will be. And then they see the husband coming towards the body. And Hotch is like, don't let him see. So JJ goes over to stop him. And Hotch and Rita standing there. And Hotch is like, I hear you're worried about Gideon. And Reed says, he's not coming, calling back. And Hodge is like, he's probably at his cabin. That's where he goes. I really need your head in this. And Reed's like, okay, it is. And then, of course, as soon as it is, Reed is like, solves the case. So they're back at the station. They're looking around the dump site, like at the, on a map. There's some factories, some warehouses. Like, it's not a place you go by accident. So they're like, okay, so we need to talk to target problem kids whose fathers have blue-collar jobs. And Reed is like, wait. What if he's not textbook? What if he's going to try and be perfect to compensate for a messy home? The kid's never leaked to school. The dad doesn't care. The kid cares. Okay. I, I know there are children who act out because of something at home. But I, as one myself, and the ones that I know, children of narcissists try and please their parents. I was under the impression that yes. children often to cope with abuse or an instability by parents try to become stable, normal people. Yeah. Normal, in air quotes. To, yeah. like, please their parents to stop yeah. the instability at home. That's, like, I thought that was, like, sort of the common knowledge. Yeah, the whole thing is, like, if I can just be better, if I can be good enough, they won't be mad at me. I don't want to make them mad. I don't want to give any reason for them to be upset. I want them to love me, so I must be good enough to love. That's, like, the whole thing. So it's, like, it was weird to me when early on they were, like, 
he's going to be messed up. He's going to be having all these problems. I'm like, absolutely not. He is not going to do anything to piss his parents off, his dad off. Yeah, it just seemed weird to me, too. But they had to say something so that we could, like, get his head in the game and, like, be correct. I guess. We also have not talked about Reed in this episode. Truly, he's, like, he's just there. Oh, yeah. We've, like, barely talked about him. He's just sort of, like, there. Around. He's depressed. Yeah. Okay. So then the Hodge calls Garcia. And she's like, FBI tech analyst Penelope Garcia, how may I help you? And Hodge is like, it's Hodge. <laughs> so he says that he needs a list of parents from school districts, from the school districts. Single parents, no, nothing white collar beside like labor management. And then he's like, hey, stop glitching the transfers. I know you're doing this. And she's like, okay. And then he's like, but thank you for doing it. And she's like, okay. Great. JJ and Reed go back to school. JJ looks beautiful. I love her. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> Glistening, radiant, glowing, beautiful, perfect, fantastic, wonderful. They go back to school. And they're talking to, I guess, the guidance counselor. And they're like, the kid's going to be a model student. He has straight A's. He makes up extra credit. He, he'll skip recess to help clean the room. And the guidance counselor's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. David Smith. His dad was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor and his mom left six months ago. So like, there's your, they don't call it a trigger. What do they call it? Stressor. Stressor. Jesus Christ. We watched how much of the show? <laughs> it kills, I know that, I know stressor is probably the correct word, but it kills me that they call them stressors and not triggers. <laughs> So yeah, so the dad has a neuroperable brain tumor. He's dying in the middle of the left. So like that explains why he has headaches, why he's irritable, why the boy has to be able to do things on his own and why he's killing women and says they all leave. Great. So then we see the boy with a woman. She drove him home. And he, she's like, I can't just leave you here. I have to make sure your dad's home. And the, guy, the boy's like, I know, come in. So the guidance counselor is walking them to the classroom where they think the kid is. And they're like, oh, yeah, the dad's super involved, drops him off, picks him up. He drives a van, and he makes handcrafted furniture. So it's like, definitely this guy. They go to the class for the kid, and the teacher says, oh, he wasn't feeling well. So the nurse volunteered to drive him home. That's not. You cannot do that. No, my nurse couldn't give me Tylenol. Drive me home? Are you kidding? Drive me home? I don't care if you're in an upper middle class suburb. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Are you fucking kidding me? They yeah. really want Milwaukee to be both the biggest city in the world and the smallest small town. <laughs> Truly both. <laughs> they want it both ways. It's just fucking weird to me. It's, it's criminal minds. So the BAU is at the boys home. The boy's alone in the family room. He's watching like Mighty Mouse, which is a good cartoon. So sure it's in like an 80s cartoon. Like it's wild to me. But it was what CBS had copyright of. So that's what they put in. I guarantee you that's it. I guarantee you it's because it was CBS somehow could get has the copyright to that. Yes. It was a Saturday morning cartoon on the CBS television network. 
Good for you. Win for B. That's a win for B. That's a that's a correct hit. That's what we call a humdinger, yeah. baby. Oh, so I love it, being right. In 1955, Mighty Mouse Playhouse debuted as a Saturday morning cartoon show on the CBS network. So from 1955 to 1967, and then it came back 1970 to 1980, and then 1987 to 1988. Yeah, wow. I just like remember seeing that and being like, in what world? Like, does CBS still run Mighty Mouse? Absolutely not, but they still got that copyright and they will use that show till they die. <laughs> JJ and Reed go onto the other side. There's no sign of nurse or the dad. He's tying her up. And Strauss is like, okay, call SWAT, secure the perimeter. And they're like, that's going to take too long. He could be killing her right now. And they're like, they don't have probable cause to go inside. There's no reason, like, to go inside. And if we knock, we could panic him. Emily's like, look, the boy wants a female authority figure. I can be that. I'll just go knock on his door. It's going to be great. I'll signal when I get calls. And Strauss is like, absolutely not. I'm forbidding it. And Emily's like, well, I'm not in the FBI anymore, so fuck you. Which, like, the FBI still has authority over, like, citizens, right? Yes. That's why they fucking suck. Right. So, like, Also, Emily is still in the FBI. Her fucking resignation hasn't gone through yet. That's the whole reason reason why she's here. I know. It's truly, like, what the fuck. I know. It's bad. Lord. Okay, and then Derek, like, puts... Derek has an ankle gun. He puts his foot, like, super high in the car to get at his ankle gun. And I was like, Derek, you're such a hot wannabe. He really is. He for sure is. So funny. And then she's like, if I'm a civilian, Strauss has no authority over me. I just, like, I'm just a civilian knocking on a boy's door, which is still weird. Okay, and then Hotch is like, no one knows more than me that we need this arrest to be legal. Like, I'm a lawyer, I know. I don't... Boy! See, what's... what? It's like this weird area where, like, yes, they found him with her. He hit an FBI agent. But, I mean, although they can't say that. So, like, the only reason this is viable is because Emily had submitted her resignation. But, like, there's no record of it in the system, so that's bullshit. And then they can't charge her with hitting an FBI agent because if she's an agent, then therefore she isn't allowed into the home. Yeah. Like, none of the arrests they make on this show stick, right? No. Like, for sure not, right? I I think that's why the unsub dies half the time. Don't gotta go to court if he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's not funny. It's terrible. It's not funny, but it's correct. It's just... It makes things messy, and then when they say shit like this, you're like, okay, so do you actually care about this guy going to jail or not? Right. Emily cannot just enter a home with the intent to do FBI business. And then be like, JK, it's fine. JK, it's totally fine. Like, are you kidding me? No, absolutely not. She's the cops. She can't enter without a warrant. It reminds me of... Do you know that show, uh, the old show Columbo aired from like 1969 to the 80s or whatever Mm -hmm. um Columbo is like a fun very good show and I love it very much but it's also very nice because at the end of every episode of Columbo they just like confess 
<laughs> Columbo like confounds them so much that they just confess and admit that they did the crime. Scooby-Doo and style. that's why it's like, it feels like everything is wrapped up with a neat little bow because like they confessed, right? Yeah. They admit that they are doing the crime and they will now do this. You know what I mean? Like, and then Columbo just fucking vanishes into nowhere. Like the cryptid he is, right? This, see, Criminal Minds fucking sucks because they never get a fucking confession and everybody dies half the time and none of this shit holds up in court. Yeah. It's something. But we're not supposed to care about that. That's not our problem. But we don't care about the convictions. We care about the catching the killers. We're just consultants. We're just consulting. Building the case is your job. Truly. Bestie. It's bad. Okay. It's fucking annoying. Em- Emily knocks on the door. He opens it. She's wearing her ponytail. She looks amazing. She knocks on the door. The boy answers. And Emily's like, hey, your dad asked me to stop by. The boy's like, oh, you're okay. Come inside. He locks the door from the inside. Huge fire hazard, by the way. Massive and fire hazard. Massive. Even if you keep the key in the door. Massive. And... He's like, Dad says it's important to keep the door locked. And Emily goes, smart man. <laughs> no. The boy's like, the dad's in his office working. I can't go in. And Emily's like, is it okay if I go inside? I'll be real quiet, okay? You stay here, kid. And the boy's like, I do not give two fucks what you do. He could not give less of a fucking shit about what's going on right Truly. now. Truly. He is watching Mighty Mouse. Can you fucking stop talking? He's in the Truly. middle of something. He's like, I'm watching an episode. It's actually... A very important to the plot if you don't mind <laughs> so, he's watching one of the few non-filler episodes of mighty mouse come on <laughs> all four of them yeah <laughs> she goes in the tied up the nurse is like you know <laughs> like nodding at the guy and i'm he's like what and then she gets hit in the head with a two by four she's immediately like huh what's going on and then the boy comes in and the dad's like who's this and the boy's like she said she was your friend the dad picks up the gun, Emily's gun, gives it to the boy, and Emily's like, no, no. But she can't do anything. She manages to hit the fucking, like, Nextel walkie-talkie button. If you guys are too young to know what this is, it's a two-way. So it's a two-way pager. It's essentially a, a cell phone that also works as a walkie-talkie. And it can send messages as well as get them it's a relic of the past <laughs> it's very 2007 very 2007 she hits it it goes beep beep the fbi bursts inside they find emily on the floor the boy has the gun he's clearly scared okay derek pulls emily away and jj's like i got her <laughs> like gets it. it's like <laughs> go emily, are you okay emily yeah the dad goes okay give the gun to hodge the son does it derek arrests the dad and that's then the direct the detective is like what the fuck is this what you want to leave your son? And it's like all the hearts and boxes. Okay. Emily's in the ambulance. Hotch goes, how's your head? Which is the beginning of a very funny joke, which is, how's your head? No complaints yet. Um, but but Emily doesn't, doesn't say that. She says, is it weird? I'm glad to be back. And Hotch is like, I'll make sure it stays official. Which like, it never wasn't official. But like, okay. The kid gets also the- Hotch. You're not the one in control of that now. That would be Strauss. 
you're transferred away. All of your shit goes to Strauss. Strauss is the one who will make it official. Hotch. Also, like, Hotch is just goes to Hotch and is like, it would be a mistake to break up this team. But, like, Strauss was very clear that he was either fired or getting transferred. But he's like, doesn't matter, I'm back. Like, how does yeah. he get back? How did he just, like, He's just like, too bad, Hotch. Or he's like, too bad, Strauss. I'm back, bitch. And she's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, does she just like, you know what? I don't want to deal with these assholes. I'll let Hotch deal with it. Like, She's like, actually, I hate all of you. Stay together. (laughs) Stay together and cope and seethe and mauled forever for all I care. Yeah. And they do. (laughs) Also, can we talk about how she's like a MILF in her vest? She's Strauss. Yeah. I know. This and then uh, that season seven app where she's it's hit and oh, run. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. it's good. That's very prime milf, milf Strauss. We love a milf in these parts. Something about the vests just makes everyone look milfy. I think it's because it makes them all look kind of butch. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> I'm into that. And then Strauss is like, "You'll never move up the chain of command. You know that." And Hotch says, why would I ever want to leave the BAU? And Morgan says, you mean that, Hotch? And Hotch is like, I have to talk to Haley. Which, like, okay, your wife's gone already. We know this. Okay, and then No, the- you don't. You Haley. already didn't talk to Haley. And then the music starts. A broken Yeah, anyway. Garcia's like turning off her fancy new map, which is like cool, but again, it does not appear ever again after this episode. And two, why is she emotional? Oh, I guess because she was she... the one like doing the transfers. They were like, you know, Gizzy. But like, why? I, don't know. I know. I don't it's, know. It's why. Okay. Emily's back in her apartment. She's got that sideways belt, gay swagger. She's wearing my favorite pants of hers, which are those like, wide reddish wool dress pants god bless she drops her bag and she okay she looks out over the dc skyline she's like hugging herself all pensively again though her like quitting and coming back happened so fast i do not feel like this emotional moment is earned earned at At all. all it's not at all it's for sure not she didn't even actually act as a spy so, she like, didn't even do the thing that would have made her emotional. Right. So that's weird. But then also, okay, this view did make me cry once. So the view from her apartment, the Jefferson Monument, the Jefferson Memorial, the Capitol Building, and the... um, Oh my God, stop it. The Jefferson Memorial, the Capitol Building, and the Washington Monument, the only place... I have triangulated that location with the <laughs> river right there. The only place you can get that view from is the Arlington National Cemetery. She fully lives in the cemetery. Honestly, very goth of her. I mean, honestly, so true, Queen. You will eventually live there. But, what the fuck? I know they just, like, wanted to show, like, a DC skyline, but they showed it from, like, the wrong side. It should have been, like, flipped the other way. Whatever. Okay. Hotch gets home. It's dark. Haley and Jack are gone. He sees, like, Haley's empty drawers, and it's like, uh-oh, his wife left him. Duh. We knew she was going to, of course. Like, okay. are you shocked? 
Like, are you surprised? Are you surprised? He's like, I never thought she'd actually leave me. He's like, well, that's your fucking problem, Koch. Okay. And then Strauss goes to her desk. She, like, puts her hands in her hair, and she's, like, all upset. It's very sad. Okay. And then... And she deserves to be fucking annoyed and frustrated with how this case went. Absolutely. Because this fucking BAU team is a goddamn nightmare. And I would hate managing them. You know, we joked about, like, oh, I would hate working with Garcia, or for Garcia. I would hate working with any of these guys. They're assholes! I'd be like, can you calm down? Can you follow the procedure we set? When you submit this to me, I need a spreadsheet and a one-week lead time. You guys never give me the spreadsheet or the one-week lead time. What are we doing here? Truly. What are we doing here? I think high schoolers like this show so much because they act like a high school clique. They really do. Like now that I like, I'm an adult and I like Mm -hmm. have an adult job where I work in an office every day. I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing? What are you doing? What the fuck are you all doing? Absolutely. Now that I have like opinions about how the government should work, (laughs) I'm like, no, I think the government should follow the rules. Yeah, I think they should. I think government agents should Mm -hmm. have to follow the rules that we make. Yeah. Okay. Final scene. Reed goes to Gideon's cabin. He has the oldest car. Shout out to Mel's father for identifying it. Shout out it's to Mr. Mr. Mel's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mel's dad. It's a 1966 Volvo 122S. I think Garcia forced him to buy it because she has <laughs> she does it like a 50 something Thunderbird. So it makes sense to me that Reed drives drives this old as a Volvo. Garcia was like, I'm buying this for you. Reed finds the note, the gun, and the badge. This is where we learn that ha- that Gideon has not, in fact, killed himself. He just quit. And in doubt, he is doing a voiceover. He like starts his voiceover with, I knew you'd be the one to find this letter. And we see that the envelope is addressed to Spencer. So like he Gideon knew it would be Spencer who like came to find him because he's a good profile man. Okay. Then the final scene of the episode is Gideon at a diner. The same song that was playing non-diegetically before is playing diegetically in this diner, which they love to do. They love a, they love a diegetic song. They love to flip it. So Gideon's paying and she's like, where you're going? And he's like, I'm not headed anywhere in particular. And the cashier says, well, how do you know when you'll get there? And he goes, I don't know. Have a good day. And then he tips and leaves. And at least he tips. At least he tips. You and know? that's the episode. At least. Yeah. The first episode in our new timeline. <laughs> Fittingly odd. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Yeah. So, But like, good. Good. But also, like, Strauss did nothing wrong. No. Justice for Strauss. Justice, justice for, for my girl Strauss. She's been through, <laughs> through a lot, and most of it is because the BAU are fucking annoying and obnoxious. For both of you. So here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think, now that we're, like, going through the show like this, do you think that, like, being able to see more clearly how Criminal Minds uses propaganda or like 
being able to understand what understand how the BAU is doing things wrong. Do you think that detracts from the show overall? I don't think so because again this in the end this is just a television show. That's you know fair. what I mean? Like if this were a documentary or a book or anything, I might say, yeah, maybe. But this is a TV show where they're in an alternate universe where serial killers happen literally all the time, everywhere, all the time. You know? Yeah. Like, yes, it's copaganda. Yeah. Sure. I know. I don't like cops and they're not about to change that for me. You know? Like, I get it. Yeah. I understand that it's copaganda. Cops still suck. I think this is a two truths thing. Like, for me, watching the way the BAU functions and kind of figuring out what um, they're doing wrong and what shitty things they're doing, it, it kind of helps me look at our real world and be like, why is this upsetting me? Why is this bad? And figure out my position in real life on things. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I love these little gay idiots. I think I do love this show. I think they're hot. And I love the show a lot. Even when it's bad, it's a good watch. So I think it's kind of both for me. I, yeah. I like this show. I can also say that the show is hot garbage. <laughs> I can do both. I have the I range. I have the range. She has the range. I have the range. All right, I can do both. But again, it's like, this is a television program. That is made for entertainment. This is not... None of the things that we talk about are things that the writers thought about near as hard as we are talking about them. Absolutely. Like, who cares? It's a television show. Absolutely. Honestly, who cares? Doing this podcast has helped me so, so much because I used to really care for some reason. (laughs) Well, I mean, for the autism. But I used to really care about getting things right and about being factual and all that kind of stuff. And it's nice to be able to talk about these episodes for like two hours and like get it out of my system and then like care less about the truth of it. I can like have fun and I'm getting yeah. all my like critical thinking out of the way on the podcast. Ignore all of, yeah, just like stop critically thinking. Yeah, outside of this podcast. This is the only place where we critically think. Absolutely. James. Yes. Scale of one to ten. Mm-hmm. What are you rating this episode? I'm going to give this episode, I think, a... I'm going to give it an 8.5. I really like it. I think it's a great, great, great episode. I've watched it a bunch of times. I'm never kind of sick of it. I like it. 8.5. We already you? mentioned that this episode is a re-record of what <laughs> we did. Um, and the first time around, I did rank this episode an eight, which I think is a fair ranking. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I've had a really bad day and I don't want to be here recording this episode right now, but I like this episode less again. <laughs> no! I think I've, I've liked this episode less. But here's the thing. I'm going to make my first ranking stand. I'm going to leave it an eight. But just okay. know in my heart of hearts... 
that now when we go through at the very end of the season to find the best episodes of this season, this one's going to rank just a little bit lower than it would have originally. And that's funny. That's not like a problem. It's just like a me thing currently, you know? Well, the funny thing is you were originally going to give it a nine, but then Strauss was mean to Garcia. So you dropped it to an 8.5. And now I might drop it further. And what of it, James? And what of it? I don't know. I think the episode is good. I think the act of me having to be here for three more hours to talk about this episode for a second time is making me hate it a little bit, which is fine. They didn't even say the episode title within the episode. They didn't say Wheels Up. What the fuck are we doing here? This is a stupid name for an episode. It for sure is. In Name and Blood? What are you doing? It used to be called In Birth and Death, right? These motherfuckers and their, like, sex, birth, death bullshit. I know. Why? This is a bad title for an episode. It's a bad title for an episode. Truly is. Truly is. Like, what's up? I like the episode. It's a stupid title. It doesn't make any sense. We're everywhere at Wheels Up Pod, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Uh, you can email us corrections at wheelsuppod at breadcrumbmedia.com. You can also give us a correction on uh, like voice notes via, via Anchor if you'd like to be so kind. You can yell at us. We'll put it live on air. Wow, what a treat. That's where you can find us. New episodes every week. Next week, we're going to be talking about episode three and four of, the, of Evolution, mm-hmm. which I believe are called Moose yeah. and Pay-Per-View. That's it. Moose We're done. Okay, James? Yes. Give me an ending quote. As Penelope Garcia says, Talk dirty to me. But <laughs> that song, Jason Derulo. Yeah, of course I remember Jason Derulo. I was a middle schooler in the 20 teens. Of course I remember Jason Derulo.